Hey, this is Dennis O'Shea. I'm the founder of Mobile Mentor. If you're wanting to learn more about how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the podcast called Leadership is Changing with my good friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people. But everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. So perhaps the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey, listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world, and I want to welcome you to today's episode. I have a wonderful guest with me. His name is Dennis O'Shea. Yep, that's right. Another Dennis here with us, which is pretty cool. He is the founder and chairman of Mobile Mentor. He founded Mobile Mentor in 2004 in New Zealand and moved to the US in 2017 to open a US office. He's also worked in Finland, Switzerland, and has an extensive experience doing business in China, Brazil, and Australia. Dennis grew up in Ireland, but he and his extended family all relocated to New Zealand over the past 20 years. Dennis has a New Zealand wife and have three teenage kids studying in the US. He's passionate about international business, fly fishing, and playing the guitar. Dennis, a massive welcome to you. Thank you, Dennis. What a pleasure to be here, and congratulations for spelling your name correctly. Yeah. The one N. <laughs> yeah, the one N. So that's pretty cool. We just, listeners, we've been talking about this. So you've got two Dennises on the show here who have got one N in our name rather than two Ns, and, and I was just saying to Dennis here that people ask me that question, why have you only got one N? And I go, well, because two Ns is Dennis the Menace, and I'm not Dennis the Menace. And they go, yes, you are. And I'm like, oh, whatever. So it's all good. So, hey, welcome. And I've just given our listeners a brief introduction to you. Tell us a little bit more about your background. Oh, sure. So I grew up in Ireland, and I was very lucky to get a great education there, but Ireland was quite a depressed country. And around the time we were graduating, our uh, our university president got up and made a very controversial speech, and he basically said, this country is a mess, and it's not your fault. It's your parents' generation's fault, but I encourage all of you to take your great degrees and go overseas and um, get 10, 20 years' experience overseas and come back when, when your parents have fixed up the country that they have uh, messed up. So it was very controversial. So I left Ireland amongst, you know, along with about 80% of my class at the time. And I moved to Finland, of all places. It was a really interesting country. And I joined Nokia, which was a very interesting company at the time. And I joined them um, just after their CEO committed suicide. And that was formational in my career because Nokia had been biggest company in Finland for 100 years. And and around that time, the USSR collapsed, the Finnish economy went down, Nokia went down, and the CEO committed suicide because it was all really, really, really bleak and tough. And Nokia came out of that and became a global leader in the cell phone business as we as we got to know them and, and the infrastructure business. And I was lucky enough to have joined them at the very bottom of that cycle and stay with them for 15 years and had a fantastic international career and learned so much and saw a lot of the world and discovered New Zealand um, as one of the countries I worked in. 
And I was very fortunate to have that experience with, with Nokia. Then I settled in New Zealand and I guess chapter two of my career was setting up Mobile Mentor and building a life in New Zealand. So that's a, a quick snapshot of, of, of my journey and how I got to where I am today. Which part of Ireland are you from? Southwest County Kerry on the coast. Oh, cool. And in New Zealand, whereabouts did you live? In Auckland, well, north of Auckland, um, Tindall's Beach, Tongaparoa. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. Yeah. My parents yeah. are still up there. My wife's parents are. That's still home base. Oh, that's very cool. So how did you get into leadership? Well, it's funny. I didn't for a long time. And I remember when I was working in Finland back in the early days, I was a 21, 22-year-old engineer in a lab, you know, working with equipment and designing technology and circuitry and working really with, with technology, not with people. And I remember watching the, the leadership team hustling back and forth and on the corridor, going into each other's rooms and having these frenzied conversations and stand-up meetings. And I was used to look at them and say, I wonder what those guys are talking about. Are they talking about us, the people? Are they <laughs> talking about technology? Are they talking about customers? Mm. Well, what are all these meetings and what are all these conversations? And why do they look so stressed? And, and every now and again, there's an outburst of laughter. And I'm, it just fascinated me. What are these guys talking about? Because they were not hands-on with the technology like we were you know, in the, engin- in the engineering team. So that got me curious, I guess. And then years later, my boss at the time in New Zealand told me I had, a, I had potential to um, get into, into leadership and potentially senior leadership. And I thought, really? And that was the first inkling for me to go from technical work, you know, hands-on, hands-on with tools to getting into leadership. So there's more curiosity than anything else. Wow, that's fantastic. Hey, I've got to tell you that I was in Ireland uh, about three, four years ago visiting Microsoft, actually, in, in Dublin and that, and uh, had a great time there. And it was the same week the Pope was coming to visit after so many, many years. And um, so when I got to the airport, I was flying out and the Pope was flying in and got watched him to come in and, and then come off the plane and everything. It was, it was amazing to see what it wow. was. But it was amazing to see what was going on in Ireland and, and how people were reacting to it and how people were. And then the hotel was just full of people, priests, nuns, and so forth. Yeah. And I said to the manager, so how's the bar going this week? He goes, not, not really good this week. It's pretty, it's pretty quiet. <laughs> so uh, it was really amazing um, what was happening there. But, uh, yeah, interesting. And so it's funny how we get into leadership, right? It's funny how we fall into it and what you've just been sharing with us. And, and Dennis – I mean, you may have several people here that you may want to talk about. I'm just going to ask you to think about one in particular. Now, this person could be alive or from history. Who's your favorite leader and why? Right now, my favorite leader is Elon Musk. Mm. I'm fascinated by the guy. I used to, I, I would have said a few years ago, I would have said, you know, it would be someone like Leonardo da Vinci, whom I've studied and I, I greatly admire. But I, I guess I now see Elon Musk as a modern day da Vinci. I think about the range of ventures and the range of disciplines that he not only tackles, but that he is mastering. And and the fact that he's just so ballsy. I mean, he's got giant kahunas, that guy. He doesn't care what people think about what he says or does. He's just blazing his own trail in a very, very unique way and, and a very unique style, which isn't for everybody. But I look at the success he's having in, in the space industry, in the automotive industry, in the battery industry, now in brain surgery. The, the business um, tunneling under LA, the AI venture, it's just extraordinary, the breadth. So he reminds me a lot of Leonardo da Vinci, who was, you know, very broad for his time. Hmm. Musk is doing that in, in, in a business sense and being successful with each one of those. He's able to find relevance and join them together. And I, I think we will look back at him. You know, right now, people are a bit cynical about him because of the way he behaves and some of the things he says and tweets. But if you ignore all that and think about 
what he has actually achieved and how he has transformed how he is transforming a number of huge industries. It's truly extraordinary. Yeah. And I think, you know, the what you just said about the relevancy of all these different sort of business ventures, ideas, visions, and things like that, and just bringing it all together, that's, that's pretty key, right? I mean, do leaders nowadays need to be that kind of person? They don't. I, I think many leaders are very effective when they focus on one discipline and they can be a you know an expert in one industry. Mm. One of my former bosses said to me, nothing beats... 10 years working in an industry, in one industry, other than having 20 years in that industry. So that, that depth and focus is what makes most leaders successful. So Elon Musk is, is, is really, really unusual in that he can not just participate in, but actually really understand these diverse industries and master them and then ultimately almost conquer them. Mm. Like you look at what's happened in aerospace. He went into that industry where it was tied up by the Russians and the US doing all the commercial rocket launches. And the Chinese to an extent, he's now got 60% of the global contracts, 60%. So he's not just a startup. He's now the dominant player mm. in that space. So yeah, I find him fascinating. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so do you study him quite a bit? And, and what do you do? And what do you do with that kind of study? You take things away and implement things for yourself? Or what do you do with that? I study him and I drive one of his products. So I get to experience his deliverable. Oh, you mean, um, you, mean you drive a rocket? I wish. <laughs> it feels like it. My wife doesn't like the acceleration, but I've read a lot about him. I've never met the guy. I'd like to meet him, but I'm fascinated by what he does, what he's what he's written, what he what he says, what he produces. Yeah. So could you repeat that question again, please, Dennis? I so, so in other words, I mean, you know, for a lot of us, we, we learn and we go and study people, but some people just don't do anything with it, right? But I'm just, what I'm trying to understand here is when our listeners are thinking about studying other leaders, what should they do with the things that they learn from those other leaders? Should they go and implement things or is it not always things to do or, or what's your thoughts? That's a really interesting one. I don't try and implement what Musk is doing because that would mean I would have to shift my focus away from my business and what I'm doing and try and get into you know get into other things. I don't have the intellect or the capacity or drive or funding that that Musk has. So you know I'm just trying to do one thing well rather than you know six or seven diverse industries. Um, so I, for me it's more an abstract fascination with him right. than somebody whose work I can emulate. If there was somebody whose work I would try and emulate would be somebody more like Satya Nadella. Right. The head From of Microsoft. Microsoft where, yep. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the way he builds culture, the way he's built a clear mission and a vision and takes people on the journey, the way he engages with his customers, the way he empathizes with the challenges in different industries. He's somebody I would love to you know, emulate and replicate in a small scale of what I can do in my day-to-day job. Yeah, very good. Elon Musk is too far out there for me. Although I think it, he inspires you and also helps you understand yeah. that for all of us as leaders, that we need to have that big vision and that bigger picture, right? So that's that's something for sure. So you're saying as well, which which is which is spot on, right? There's other leaders as well that we can take and do things with as well. And yeah. I think the the big thing here for our listeners is to understand that there are people out there who've been there before, done things, maybe doing things bigger than us. What can we learn from them and maybe take one thing? But then at the same, to- same time, Dennis, what you were saying as well, is you still need to focus on the one area or focus on the one industry and that, which is really important. Why? Because a lot of us can get easily distracted by other things going on. Here's the next shiny thing. Yeah. And I think the important thing here is for us to stay stay focused on what we're doing, which is while also learning from others what's going on 
in the industry with other leaders and so forth. So I think that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, and another point on that that I got from somebody else recently was, you know, as the founder of a business, you will ultimately and eventually get to a point where you get you get a bit tired or you get a bit jaded or you've seen the cycles before. Yeah. And, and when that happens, it doesn't mean that you should get out or go and diversify or leave what you're doing, but rather bring in fresh people nice. who see it all as a new adventure. And for them, it's just a huge growth opportunity. And they can perhaps pick up some of the responsibility for setting the vision, yep. uh, driving the team, setting the strategy. So the founder doesn't you know, feel like they need to quit or sell or diversify, but rather keep going deeper, keep going further, but do it through others. Yeah, brilliant. That's, that's a great way of putting it. Dennis, the show here is called Leadership is Changing. When I mentioned that title or that statement, what does it mean for you? Well, the the last couple of years have been remarkable in how that has created a change for, mm. for leadership. Um, truly remarkable. And it feels like this pandemic has gone on for about 20 years. But, <laughs> you know, just just in the, in the two or so years that it has been, I guess there's been a huge shift in leadership. Because what I'm seeing happen now, if I just think about the microcosm of our business for a moment, we're hiring people in remote locations that we never meet. We have to lead them. We have to set a vision. We have to pull them into our strategy. We have to be able to get them connected with our purpose and our mission and what we're doing. And this all happens through the screen. In the past, it was so, well, I look back and think how much easier it was when we were in person and you could have a whole bunch of micro conversations to clarify things. We can't do that now. We have to do all that remotely. And so, there are implications for leadership and management, probably more so for leadership. And I guess the, the other big shift that's happening is there's been a transfer of power from the employer to the employee through the pandemic. It's a big transfer of power. And I know it's happened you know, in the past after a war, after a major recession, but it's been very quick and very obvious through this one. Yeah. And so that changes, that changes leadership. Yep. And we'll talk more about the employees soon, but that's a very good point that you've actually just said there about the transfer of power from employer to employee. That's 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 really been interesting. And you talk about leading in remote locations. Well, because you meet, as you said, you're hiring people in remote locations. We've never met them. We might see them on the screen, but now we need to lead them as well and get them to bring out the best in them as so what are leaders, what, do you, what is one or two things that you might want to share with our listeners about what you think leaders should do in effectively leading people remotely. Any any ideas there? We certainly have not got it all figured out, but we're doing a lot of it. We're hiring, you know, we've got somebody new starting almost every Monday. So I'll tell you what we are doing and what, what is working, and there's probably still a lot we have not figured out. But we're very, very intentional and deliberate about our onboarding process now, more so than we ever were before. And we have roughly a 30-day onboarding program for most employees, which is well-documented, well-laid out, all the different things they need to go through. There's an onboarding document that everybody receives when they start, and it blows them away because it appears to be highly personalized. It's not. We've got a bunch of templates. But if you're a new engineer, and this will be built around the competencies you need, the skills you need, the tools you need, the systems access you need. And so it kind of walks them through this process and say for a salesperson. And we've, we've put a lot of work into building that onboarding process and document and all the sessions that need to happen and all the, all the briefings and engagements that need to happen with different people across the business. So we hope that by day 30, that new employee feels like, wow, I'm, I've, been, I've been set up for success here. I've met all the key people. I understand what this company is about. I've got access to all the tools, got my training. I can get my certifications. You know, he's met me, the founder. He's met Daniel, our CEO, met everybody in the company. So the new employee hopefully feels like, you know, the, the red carpet has been rolled out for me here. And whilst mm. I can't meet these people, 
they've tried to make it as easy as possible for me to to get my head into the game. Yeah, I mean, so that's what, that's what we're doing. Yeah, cool. And making making people feel like they're part of the family and part of they're, they're important, right? Exactly. We very much are still a family business. You know, we're, we're the size and and shape, I guess, of a family business, and and pulling people into that and making them feel like they are part of a family and they've got a voice. That's super important. Nice, nice. Because because you, know, you you can't really manage remote workers. Well, some companies try and set up all sorts of time tracking tools and observation tools, but you know we can't do that in our industry. That would be totally inappropriate. So really, it's about leadership setting people on a path, hopefully giving them a clear why, answering the why question for them, so that they become self managing. Self managing. That's pretty cool. So setting a path for them to succeed and and, and self management. And I like what you said as well. We're setting people up for success in thirty days. And so yeah, that's pretty good, eh? That's what we're trying to do. And and we find that if we give people all the right tools and all the right systems access and everything they need and access to all the right people, if things are not going well after thirty days, it becomes obvious. Well yeah. And we'd rather fail fast with a new employee. And, you know, and, and, and enable them to move on. That's probably better for them, better for us. But if they're going to stay with us a long time, as most people do, we want to make sure we get them, get them to success faster. Yeah, very um, cool. Or expose any incompatibilities faster. Yeah. And Dennis, what I like is the fact that you said those words right at the beginning, deliberate, intentional. So being deliberate in what you're actually doing is really, really important here. And I think a lot of leaders are needing to wake up and be deliberate about what they're doing rather than just being on autopilot because it isn't going to work. And you can't just sort of just throw mud at the wall and hope it sticks. Being deliberate, intentional is, is a real key here. And how did you get to that kind of thinking around being deliberate and intentional around onboarding? It was probably the the shift in the labor market and that we're looking for a particular skill set around security, security mm-hmm. engineers and, and endpoint management engineers. And it's really hard to find them. And so like here in the US business, we've had to hire people from the West Coast, Seattle, all the way to the southeast of Florida. So this huge expanse of, you know, 5,000 kilometers between between the, between the employees. And now we're hiring people, you know, various cities down the West Coast, all different parts of California and whatever, and different parts of the country. And we recognize that this is, this is the future model. And there's no reason why we can't build a great team mm. and have highly productive engineers working with customers all over the place. So I guess the, it dawned on us slowly that this is the future model. It's not the exception anymore that you have some remote employees. Yes, we, we've almost doubled our headcount in the last year, year and a half. And I would say the majority of the new hires are working remotely, wow. not in offices. Amazing. That yeah. is amazing. Yeah. It's amazing shift, it is. isn't it? Yeah. It is in yeah. a fairly short space of time. Yeah. Yeah. Very short space of time. And it's not as if like you've had to go and do it and then gradually do it and phase it through. It's been forced and it's it's underway, right? Because the pandemic and so forth, the way we've been working and it's making sure that we get out there and get it done, which has probably also made us focus a little bit quicker on actually having to get it done and doing it really well. And I think there's a lot of organizations who still struggle today with it, but it sounds like you guys are really got it on board and, and, and that onboarding really styled in nicely and, and making things happen. You're right. And I guess we're trying to eat our own dog food too, because part of the work we do for our customers is helping them be secure, work on all their devices securely, regardless of where they are and not having to be in an office on or on a VPN mm-hmm. to do their work. So we're eating the same dog food and we're trying to live that modern work paradigm and, and be able to work anywhere, anytime and have no reliance on an office network or a printer or a VPN. Mm-hmm. So that, that's been helpful. 
Yeah, very cool. So we're seeing technology, social side of things, and business side of things moving very, very fast in a fast-paced, ever-changing world. What do you reckon makes a leader successful today in this fast-paced, ever-changing world? Ooh, I think the relationships with employees have probably shifted as well and that with most people working remotely and for a while everybody was working remotely so i feel i felt like the world was flat and there wasn't a lot of hierarchy because we were all in it together yeah. in, in, in a similar situation but i think it's the success for most leaders now will depend upon the authenticity of the relationship with those remote employees mm, tell us more and, and being able to have an authentic human connection with those people and or to get on a call and, and zero in on the key issues, whether they're interpersonal issues or something going on for that employee. And I feel like it, it's probably less formal, less structured, less hierarchical than it may have been in the past. And now it's more about making sure that our guy in San Jose is in a good space this week or our guy in San Diego or wh- wherever that person is, making sure that they've got what they need to nail it. Right, yep. And I feel like that's more leadership and less management. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very good. I like it. Make sure they've got what they need to nail it, right? Nail it for them as an individual. In other words, succeeding, nailing it for the organization, but also nailing it for the customer too. Exactly. And and hopefully, you know, clear targets have been set. The person knows what what the expectations are and that they've had some say in, in setting expectations and, you know, what are reasonable outcomes. A lot of the conversations we're having now is, what do you need this week? What, what can we do to help you? Are there any obstacles, anything in your way? So that's based on the assumption that the person wants to do good work. Right. Yep. And, and we're, we're assuming this person is in the right headspace and has, has turned up mentally in every possible way. And now we're looking to see, what, what can we do to help you? What, what, what do you need? Yeah, it's very good. It's almost like the leaders have really had to really focus on the human side of things and the emotional intelligence to read people, understand people, and then help people get what they need to be successful. Correct. And I think that human element has just dialed up in importance through the pandemic and for people working remotely. We may have picked up on some signals, you know, being in the office, hearing chat at the water cooler or over lunch, whatever. We miss out on all those signals, all that, all those weak ties that happen between people in different departments. They don't happen easily when you're working remotely and all the formal information you might gather about somebody or how somebody's doing that doesn't flow in a remote context. So I think that link between the leader and the and, and the employee becomes more important than it was even before. Yeah, and I think that over the years, I've heard this terminology, hire the tech, hire the touch. And I think that we're actually living that today. So the more we having to use technology working remotely, the more that we have to touch, even though it's not physical touch, we have to touch, be in touch with people. We have to be with people based on exactly what you've just been talking about. So then we can understand where they're at with things. I hadn't heard that before, the higher the tech, the higher the touch, but it does make sense. And I guess one of the things that has helped us all, and we take it for granted now, is the fact that it's all video these days. Yeah. You know, all our check-ins with, with team members, it's video. So we're picking up on so much more by looking someone in the eye and say, hey, how are you? How are you today? Um, that we may not have kind of connected in quite the same way. Mm. Just a phone call. I, just, I think it'd be quite interesting to see what happens because I know a lot of people over the last few years are getting very tired of reading books. Why? Because they're reading emails all day, they're reading text messages, they're reading presentations, white papers, things like that. So they're getting very tired at reading. I wonder if it's going to be the same thing going forward very soon. People are going to be very tired of watching Netflix and others. Why? Because we're on video all day. So we're going to be now watching another thing on TV slash the monitor 
in relation to Netflix and other things. I don't know. We'll, we'll see where that goes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I mean, the, the, the intense feeling of exhaustion that people feel at the end of the day, call it Zoom fatigue or whatever, mm-hmm. after doing you know, hours and hours of video calls, probably the last thing some people feel like doing is going home and looking at TV yeah, yeah. Or, 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 playing, or, or playing a game, or maybe that's exactly what they want to do. Maybe, yeah. Maybe it's a different scenario or scenery, right? So it's almost like going out of the office scenery or location and then going outdoors and enjoying the nature. It could be going from the Zoom call or the Teams call to then going watching something like Netflix. This is a different environment with even though it's a screen. It's, it's, it's going to be fascinating to see where it all goes from a human perspective. Yeah. We're seeing walking meetings really start to take off. Ah, tell us more. A lot of, a lot of our internal leaders, our CEO started it, um, doing a lot of meetings by walking. And they're you know, scheduled meetings on the hour, half hour, check-in meetings with people during the week. But they're happening whilst walking in a park or walking around the neighborhood or walking the dog. But because you're not looking at a screen, you're not multitasking. You're not looking at your emails or your calendar to see where it should be next. You're just in the conversation. You're in flow with that one person, actually having a really good, fully attentive conversation. I think it works well. Dennis, do you mean physically they're walking together or do you mean like I could be on my mobile? Yeah. You're on your mobile and you're walking in a park in Auckland and I'm on my mobile and I'm walking in a park in Nashville, Tennessee. Amazing, eh? But you're totally engrossed in the conversation with me and I am with you. Yes. Because I'm not staring at my second or third screen. We're totally absorbed in each other's conversation. We have that conversation. We sort out a few issues or, you know, tackle a couple of challenges we have in the business. And then we move on to something else. And then that sort of, you know, ticks off another thing that we could be doing, which is activity, exercise, things like that. So we're getting outside and doing that. So for those listeners or leaders who say to me, I don't have time to be exercising. Dennis has just shared with us a great idea whereby you can go out and you can do your meetings on a walk. Well, hello. Your mouth still works, your ears still work, even though if you're out exercising and doing a walk and that, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And we do do some Teams calls like that. I don't like those where you kind of, because my arm gets tired, just holding the phone up to to have the, the, the video. Yeah. But if you turn that off and just do, a, you know, maybe do that for the first five minutes is what we often do. Yes. Or in my case, I'm often just, I work at home Tuesdays and Thursdays or in the office Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I'm just doing laps of my garden while I'm talking to people, just holding the phone up and, and walking around in circles. That's great. <laughs> Very good. But it's better than sitting inside staring at the three screens. Absolutely it is, yeah. <laughs> so, Dennis, we've been talking about leadership and that side of things, and earlier on in this conversation, you talked about the transfer of power from employer to employee. Let's change lenses now and talk about the employee side of things. How has employees' expectations of leaders changed? That's a great question. I wish I knew the answer to that because we're constantly trying to hire and just can't get enough, can't get enough people. I think that today's employees are looking for more than a job, more than a paycheck. They're genuinely looking for a purpose. And they're restless. They're very restless. The, the pandemic has, you know, they're physically restless because they know they can go and move out of cities and they can go and work in beautiful places and, and do just fine and have a better quality lifestyle. But they're mentally restless. The, the pandemic has been a big upheaval for people. So there's, there's mental restlessness there as well. And I think employees want an employer who will give them the flexibility to live wherever they want and have a pretty flexible work arrangement. That's what we're seeing in, in our workforce, at least. If you give people flexibility, they really, really appreciate that. The topic that we have not landed, and that's fascinating for me right now, is how this remote work culture will impact those employees long term. 
And I wonder about their career trajectory. Will they advance at the same pace as people who work in an office? And will the people who are in the office who have a high degree of proximity to leaders, will they get noticed more? Will they get promoted earlier? Will they get offered opportunities for advancement in a way that people who are out of sight may be out of mind as well? And I don't know the answer to this. Yeah. And then, unless we are actually the out of sight, out of mind, and I think that's really important because I say to a lot of people, and it's even the, and part of my introduction, if you're not changing quick enough, then you run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. It's almost like becoming the forgotten person, the forgotten man, the forgotten woman. And if you're in remote working as well, it could be quite interesting. So here I was in a global role and here I was part of the global team. And then they were asking me whether I wanted to do a local role in New Zealand and spoke to five different execs that I've worked with around the world in the company and outside. And the main or the common thing was two. One is Dennis, you're more, you're a global kind of person. And number two, Dennis, you don't want to become the forgotten man in New Zealand. It wasn't because where I am located in New Zealand, it's just, it is, yeah, as you said, you're out of mind, out of sight, right? So it's just, or out of sight, out of mind, right? And that's the, that's the thing. And so, yeah, it'd be really interesting to see about the remote side of things, Dennis. It will. It will. And, and I think like any major shift, the pendulum will swing back a little bit the other way over the next few years. We'll mm. see employers gain back some, some of the power. And by the way, I think the shift we saw from the employer to the employee in the last couple of years was absolutely necessary in some industries, less so in the high-tech industry where we play, because there's always been a high degree of respect for the worker. But in, in the um, in the blue-collar industries and hospitality and tourism and, and transport and all that, especially here in the States, it was diabolically bad, yes. yep. you know, with hourly rates under $2 an hour, no no insurance coverage. You know, employees really were a disposable commodity. They're now getting back some much needed, some much needed power and some ability to negotiate and get better terms. Sure. So that, I hope that will stay, but I suspect there will be a shift in the coming years as this remote work phenomenon settles. Okay. You, you touched a little bit of base, uh, a little bit about the future. So if I get you to get your crystal ball out here and start think, talking about the future, where, where do you see leadership being in five years? Highly distributed. I think the notions of all the leaders being on level seven or level 25 of a building, cascading decisions down through the organization, that's, that, that, that's gone. Leadership will be distributed. And I, I suspect what we're seeing with this shift to human-centric leadership and, and better engagement with people will continue and actually get better. I see that the leaders who are going to shine for the next five or 10 years will be people with really strong people skills as opposed to functional skills. There'll always be room for great functional managers, but I think leaders with strong people skills who can set great cultures and a set inclusive vision, you know, build a vision for the company that's highly inclusive and get everybody bought into the vision of the journey and give them the why. Those are the leaders I think that that will do really, really well. I like that. But, But also, yeah. But I think being distributor is going to be a huge thing. And we've been doing this in our company. We've, you know, we're, we're still a small company, less than a hundred people, but our leaders are spread across seven or eight different cities. Yep. There's no cluster. And so back in pre-COVID, I guess many companies had the situation where there's us and them. You had all the leaders in, in a head office somewhere, or most of the leaders, and then employees out in the field doing mm. their work. Mm. And we're evolving quite quickly now where our leaders are spread across different countries, different cities. There's no cluster. There's mm. no headquarters. There is a headquarters for tax reasons, but not for operating reasons. Yep. And I suspect many companies will do that. They'll become flat. 
quite quite flat from a leadership perspective. Yeah, that's cool. So in other words, uh, listeners, a lot of organizations can be very hierarchical. And if we talk about into one building and one city, possibly, uh, Dennis is just talking about the execs could be on the 10th floor and then other leaders and other floors and workers and then actually out into other areas as well, where now what we're seeing is because we are working remotely, and as Dennis has just been sharing about his organizations, whereby they're actually employing people around the world or around the country in particular and onboarding them, that that no longer is needed to be into possibly one location maybe maybe not but we'll see where it goes imagine Dennis being a imagine being a commercial property owner right now well what would you be thinking about <laughs> you know possible tenants going forward or would that not be a would not would that not be a problem I don't know it's going to be interesting it's going to be very interesting and I think if I was a commercial property owner and, and I'm not fortunately but I would be converting to apartments as fast as I possibly could uh, could could do it and we're seeing that happening here in New Zealand as well, whereby even yesterday I was talking to a business leader in, in Wellington, actually, and all the office block is going. It's, it's, I'm going to say going, it's all going to be converted into apartments. And we'll just see more and more of that happening for sure. We will. We will. And then people moving out of um, small city dwellings to larger dwellings that have a spare room where they can work remotely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Yep. And that'll be it. That'll be it because they'll have a, an office at home. And I also think that, you know, even for ourselves and uh, going through what we've gone over the last 18 months in the pandemic, I'm very thankful that I don't actually own some office premises somewhere or renting those because, you know, I'm able to work remotely and, and then go into customers and do what I need to do. And I haven't had to pay those kind of things and expenses and yeah. rents, but I've had other expenses, right? So there's yeah, of course. maybe not the rent, but there's all this online stuff that I've had to pay as well and do. So it, it, it's sort of a, it's a little bit interesting, different way of looking at things. Something I share on that was um, our office came up for lease, our office in, in Auckland, we were on Queen Street and came up, the lease ran out and it came up for renewal about three, four or five months ago. Mm. And our guys went to market and found that the market is soft mm. and that there are a lot of choices and that landlords are desperate to get tenants. And so we decided we did want to keep an office because we want to bring people together, you know, some days of the week. Sure. And because the market is soft, we were able to get a much higher grade office with naming rights on the building, which I never thought, never thought would be possible or affordable. But if you're prepared to go to market now, when the market is really soft and make a, a multi-year commitment, you can get phenomenal properties in great location. Am I going to see a building in, in New Zealand with the name Dennis on it? No, sadly <laughs> you won't, <laughs> unless it's yours. <laughs> oh, wow. That's all cool. But if you walk down Shortland Street, you'll see a building with Mobile Mentor on it. Well, yeah, that's where I work a lot of time out of that. So it'd be pretty cool. Oh, there you go. Hey, Dennis, thank you for joining us on today's show. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where, where should they go? I'm not on social media. <laughs> I'm on LinkedIn. That's about it. So Dennis O'Shea on, on LinkedIn or um, my email is Dennis with one N just like yours. Uh, spelled correctly. Uh, so Dennis at mobile-mentor.com. Awesome. We'll put those Easy in the show notes, me. listeners. But Dennis, hey, once again, thank you so much. Pleasure. Thank you for inviting me on. I really enjoyed the conversation with you. Likewise. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate it. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Hey, look out for the episodes as they've been released. Download them. Have a listen. Put a review and a rating. Feel free to share them with your family, your friends, and your network. If there's any feedback you'd like to give me about the show, or if there's a question for the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode, that happens once a week, send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Listeners, it's always a pleasure being with you. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 